Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Sports Today. One game doesn't equal redemption, but Baker Mayfield made a heck of an entrance to L.A. The Falcons are making a QB change in the midst of a playoff race. And which matchup should you pay attention to this Sunday? We've got you covered. I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the can't-miss stories and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on sports today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. Baker Mayfield got to town about four and a half minutes before kickoff of Rams Raiders <laughs> on Thursday night, and yet he still had enough practice time to lead the game-winning drive, 14 points in the fourth quarter, 17-16. to 16. The Rams stunned the Las Vegas Raiders, who thought they were going to get right back in the playoff mix in the AFC in this game. Joining me now, our Friday Locked On NFL host and, of course, host of Locked On Steelers, Christopher Carter. And, Chris, uh, why can't the Raiders figure this out? What is going on with them this season that they every time, every time it seems like, okay, they're going to figure this out. They just do this. They have talent, but they're undisciplined. I mean, yeah. a big a big play, which could have killed the ring. This could have been it. In that final drive, they get the sack. The whole team crushes Baker Mayfield. It's like, okay, now this is done. We don't have to worry about this. Jerry Tillery slaps the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hand, and it, the flag flies, gives the Rams 15 yards, resets the drive. And then from there, I'm like, I, like when that started to happen, I'm like, the Raiders just lost this. The Rams are just going to walk down the field. And then, and even when they're 20 yards out from the end zone with like 12 seconds left, I'm like, nah, Baker Mayfield's going to throw some deep pass and they're just going <laughs> to let it happen. And it just, it, that's what, that's what went down. Josh McDaniels has, has, I've never thought he was a very good head coach. I've always thought that, you know, keep him at the OC position. Um, but yeah, I think too many of his guys fold at the wrong time. We saw it before when he was a coach. We're seeing it again now. Um, and again, it's clear they got talent. Devontae Adams is the best receiver in football right now. I mean, you knew that covering him when he was in Green Bay. Yep. Um, so it's like, you know, he, he he's, he's phenomenal. But, you know, in a game where you absolutely have to have, you're trying to climb back in and claim things. The AFC, the bottom of the AFC playoff chart is kind of opening up and you deliver this against a quarterback who was there for two days. Just a disgrace. Yeah, Sports Info and Solutions has a stack called Total Points, and it measures impact um, relative to situation and historical norms. And, and the Raiders had the best running back in the league, most impactful player this year by SIS, Total Points. They had the best receiver, Devontae Adams, and the best pass rusher. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the rest of the team is not very good and, as you said, undisciplined and poorly coached. So... The Raiders loss, potentially the Pittsburgh Steelers gain. They win a game against the Atlanta Falcons last week. That leads to, by the way, Marcus Mariota getting benched. Now That's Desmond crazy. Ritter in at quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons. The Steelers still in the mix here, Chris. So just, just how likely is it that this team can make a little bit of a run here now that things are really wide open? You've got a, a game this Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens who are likely not going to have Lamar Jackson. It's something I was saying for a bit there. I was saying, like, look, the Steelers, if they get T.J. Watt back, if Kenny Pickett just starts to get, you know, start to manage games better, you know, avoid the turnovers, take what's there, keep, you know, make some, you know, keep converting third downs, which they've gotten better at now. They're the seventh best team in time of possession in the NFL. Um, 
they're starting to do all those things, and now they have the schedule in front of them that can beat they can beat a bunch of mediocre and bad teams. You know, the Ravens, even with Lamar Jackson, they've been struggling lately. And I was, I didn't, but with Lamar Jackson, I was like, okay, I can still see the Ravens winning. When he gets hurt, you're sitting in Tyler Huntley. The Steelers, he's not a mystery to the Steelers anymore. They played him last year, so they're gonna have his tendencies. I think that's good, that that favors them. Then they get the Panthers. Hmm. Then they get the Raiders. We see what they're like. But I will say this: the Raiders have some weird hex over the Steelers, even when the Raiders are terrible. They are their, the Steelers' worst nightmare. So I do not consider that a, a, a guarantee win at all. Um, and then you get the Ravens again, and then the Browns again. So there is a path there. The defense is playing better. They're stopping the run. Uh, the run game, Najee Harris has come alive. The offensive line is playing better. And Kenny Pickett is feeling himself out. If Kenny Pickett steps up and has some really good games at the end of the season, they got a shot. But the problem is also they've lost to a lot of teams that are also in this hunt. The Dolphins they've lost to. The Patriots they've lost to. The Jets they've lost to. And all three of them are competing for, for those wild card spots. Um, and I think what almost has to happen at this point is that the Bengals kind of ascend to the top of the AFC North and the Ravens are the team that fall down. And if the Steelers can sweep the Ravens, then they'll have the, the, the tiebreaker over them. And then that's their best hope right now. But there's so many things that have to happen for all that to go down. The Steelers have been wildly inconsistent. I think they could still finish nine and eight. I'm just not sure if that's enough to get in the playoffs still at this point. Stay up to date all year on the NFL by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On NFL podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Coming up, we look at why Arthur Smith chose now to pivot to the Falcons' future QB for next week. But first, Brittany Griner got the news she's been waiting a long time for. Here's what to look for on Bet Online, your number one spot for all your gambling needs. Here are a few surprising point spreads for Sunday, starting with the Minnesota Vikings. Bet Online has the Detroit Lions favored by two over the division rival Vikings. Yes, the Lions are favored over the 10 and 2 Vikings. What a time to be alive. Also, of note, the Pittsburgh Steelers favored over the Baltimore Ravens. Sure, no Lamar Jackson. Certainly has something to do with it, but Bet Online likes the Steelers by two. And the LA Chargers are home dogs to the Miami Dolphins. Bet Online has Justin Herbert and company as three point dogs at home. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today Brittany Griner, finally coming home. You can see Griner boarding a Russian plane. It is still dark outside in the video. Then once she is inside the plane, she's asked how she feels. She says happy. Then she's asked if she knows where she's going. She says no. Then she's told she's going home to the U.S. Griner had been a prisoner in Russia for almost 300 days. Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder permitted and participated in the team's longtime toxic work culture and obstructed a 14-month congressional inquiry by dodging a subpoena, working to dissuade and intimidate witnesses from cooperating and claiming more than 100 times in testimony that he could not recall answers to basic questions. This according to the final report of the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform. The committee's 79-page report released Thursday also comes down hard on the NFL. It concluded the league was complicit in Snyder's efforts by not cooperating with the congressional inquiry and by burying a 2020-2021 investigation of the commander's workplace. That investigation was led by attorney Beth Wilkinson and the results of which 
had never been fully released. USC quarterback Caleb Williams added a few key trophies to his cabinet on his way to what many assume will be a Heisman Trophy win. He was named the Walter Camp Player of the Year and the winner of the Maxwell Award, given to the best all-around player in college football. Williams is the Trojans' first player to win the Maxwell since Marcus Allen in 1981. Pretty good company to be in. He accounted for 47 touchdowns while throwing for over 4,000 yards and leading USC to an 11-2 season a year after the Trojans went 4-8. He did not, however, win the award for best quarterback. Fellow Heisman Trophy finalist Max Duggan received the Davey O'Brien National Quarterback of the Year Award. Duggan threw for 3,725 yards and had 36 total touchdowns for TCU this season. As for who will hoist the Heisman, well, stay tuned. On the hardwood, the Miami Heat took down the LA Clippers. After two demoralizing losses, the Miami Heat get a much-needed win over the Clippers thanks to Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked on Heat. Heat head coach Eric Spolstra vowed that the team would be better after getting blown out by the Detroit Pistons on Tuesday night, and that was absolutely the case on Thursday, with Miami winning a close game over the Clips that featured strong performances from Caleb Martin, Tyler Hero, as well as Adebayo and Butler. Victor Oladipo also made his second appearance of the season and showed some flashes, but is still clearly finding his rhythm coming off the bench for six points in 21 minutes. The Heat dominated the painted area, outscoring Los Angeles 58 to 32, thanks to Bam's 31 points with all 14 of his made field goals coming in the paint. And after Hero scored eight points to lead a Heat comeback in the fourth quarter, it was their closer, Jimmy Buckets, who scored the last eight points for Miami to seal the win. The optimistic view of the game is that with Butler in the lineup, Miami can look as dangerous as ever and is capable of playing basketball with a purpose and structure that certainly wasn't evident when he sat out on Monday's loss. And on the ice, the Detroit Red Wings were not all there in a loss to the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers come back home from their West Coast trip and defeat the Detroit Red Wings by a final score of 5-1 back at FLA Live Arena. What is up, guys? It's Armando Velez from the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast. And for the third time in the last four games, the Florida Panthers win by a score of 5-1. And in this one, there was signs of the Florida Panthers on how they looked last season. And what do I mean by that? The Florida Panthers were winning faceoffs in their defensive zone on the PK. They were getting in transition against the Detroit Red Wings, a, a thing that happened a lot last season. They're protecting their goalies, only allowing 20 shots on goal for Sergei Bobrovsky, even though the one of the goals that he let in was a little bit of a soft one. But a lot of key contributors as well for the Florida Panthers, some of the call-ups getting on the scoreboard as well. Chris Tierney got on the scoreboard. Matt Kierstead as well, his first goal of the season, his second career goal as well, and some of the younger guys as well. Etulu Serenian, now two away from tying his career high. Matthew Kachuk also continues to just be a force. Here is another story you need to know. The Atlanta Falcons are 5-8, and eight, but believe it or not, still in the mix in the NFC South, which says more about the NFC South than the Atlanta Falcons, but... They are making the quarterback move that many Falcons fans were hoping for in Desmond Ritter, our Marcus Mariota. Joining me now from Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman. And, and Aaron, uh, as I mentioned, this is a move that a lot of fans have been clamoring for for a while. I, I guess why now, which is another way of saying why did it take this long, but why now? Yeah, 
that is the question, right? And we'll probably get some insights from Arthur Smith uh, in terms of what his decision making and the process behind that uh, when they sort of get back to work on Monday. Uh, so we will wait with bated breath uh, to hear what he has to say. But it, it feels like, for the most part, the Falcons have been hoping that they would sort of evolve their passing game uh, from this sort of run heavy offense this season that they've been throughout the season had a lot of success running the football and i think they were giving marcus mariota a pretty long leash uh to show that he could elevate this passing game and give the team a little bit more balance on offense and we just haven't seen that development the last couple of weeks so i think it all kind of came to a head uh, against the Steelers in a very winnable game. The Falcons have had several winnable games that they've lost over the last month. And, you know, I think with Arthur Smith, you know, standing there on the sideline watching Marcus Mariota miss a bunch of throws in that game and then ultimately it culminating in a game ceiling interception uh, from Minka Fitzpatrick. I think it was kind of the final straw for Arthur Smith. And it was like, OK, I think it's time to get a spark and we need it from the young guy in Desmond Ritter. Yeah, particularly on those downfield throws. I mean, this is an offense that that wants to be run the ball and and shot play you down the field. Marcus Mariota has not been great executing in those situations. It doesn't help that your superstar potentially tight end is is hurt and then was not a part of the passing game much in the beginning of the season. So, what is it that that Desmond Ritter can bring that Marcus Mariota did not offer or just where did they want to get better if they could? Yeah, I think you you pointed out a big Part of it, it's, you know, Mariota was essentially, uh, I think the numbers show that he was the worst deep ball passer in the league this year. Yeah. Uh, and so just Desmond Ritter just being league average would be a massive upgrade in, in that arena. Uh, you also saw with the loss of Kyle Pitts, you also saw the rapport between Mariota and Drake London really not develop. They really looked like they're on different pages these last couple of weeks. Uh, and he was just kind of throwing it like... <laughs> six feet ahead uh, over Drake London's head. Uh, in, Which is in hard because that's game. a big dude. Yeah, he's, you know, 6'4". <laughs> so you, you got to be missing by quite a bit. And he was missing by quite a bit to Drake London. He was missing by quite a bit to Kyle Pitts, which is part of the reason why Pitts' production was down this year. And so you're, you're kind of hoping that Desmond Ritter, who roomed with Drake London during minicamp, they seem to have a, a pretty good relationship. And, and, you know, this may be a, a one-two combination uh, here in Atlanta for years to come, but you're just kind of hoping that, okay, uh, with the deep ball passing, getting your now number one receiver more involved in the offense, these are some of the things that Desmond Ritter can do. You, you're not really worried, I, I think, for a lot of people, maybe looking at it outside, oh, well, Mariota's the veteran and Ritter's the rookie and he may m make some rookie mistakes. The Falcons have been calling their offense like they had a rookie quarterback in them by mm -hmm. running the football, play action passing, max protect, uh, sort of all these sorts of things, dumbing down their offense as if they were basically sort of giving us the preview of what the offense is going to look like when Desmond Ritter eventually takes over the field. So I actually think um, counterintuitively to, I think, a lot of people's eyes that there's a lot of reason for optimism that once Desmond Ritter gets on the field, you will actually actually see this offense be a lot more effective with him under center because of some of the things that he can bring to the table other than Marcus Mariota. Stay up to date all year on the Atlanta Falcons by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and the Locked On Falcons podcast on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Coming up, we look at a few matchups you won't want to miss this Sunday. The LA Chargers just need a win. There's no two ways about it. They currently sit on the edge of the AFC playoff picture and the Miami Dolphins are right in front of them. Locked On Chargers host Daniel Wade has the Bolts' keys to a win.
If the Chargers want to pull off the upset on Sunday night football against the Dolphins, they have to be better in the trenches. This is Daniel Wade here from Locked On Chargers, and I know a lot of the talk is going to be about Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa, but Justin Herbert can't do it by himself against a good Dolphins team, and he needs a lot more help from his offensive line, which has really hamstrung the offense. Over the past three weeks, they've been giving up over 20 pressures per game on average, and they're possibly going to get back their all-pro center, Corey Lindsley, which is invaluable this week, and potentially even their starting right tackle, Trey Pipkins. Defensively, the Chargers need more out of their front. We all know they're one of the worst run defenses in the entire NFL, but they're not getting enough from their pass rush either. I mean, they only have three sacks in their past four games, and if they can't find a way to bother Tua Tungavailoa, it's going to be a long day for this defense, which is bad at tackling, and now gets to go up against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. But if the Chargers want to pull off the upset, it's all hands on deck. It's going to have to be a complete team effort, and this is a huge Huge game for the Chargers if they want any hopes for the playoffs. But for the full game breakdown and other ways that they can win this game, make sure to check out the Locked On Chargers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What will it take for the Jaguars to pull off an upset this week? As Locked On Jaguars host Tony Wiggins points out, will the real Jacksonville Jaguars please stand up? I'm Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast. Will the real Jaguars please stand up? That's what it's going to take for the Jaguars to have a chance to win this game. They have to come out and know what their identity is and who they want to be. They can't be the team that got molly whopped against the Detroit Lions a week ago. They need to be more like the team that beat the Baltimore Ravens two weeks ago. But they need to close that gap with that variance and be more consistent on a weekly basis so they have a chance to unseat the Tennessee Titans. They're three games behind the division lead with two games left against the Titans left for the rest of the season. If they don't win Sunday, their playoff hopes are over. Make sure you catch me on the Locked on Jaguars daily podcast where it's your team every day, Monday through Friday. And the New York Giants have a golden opportunity to do some damage in the NFC East race. Locked on Giants host Patricia Trena looks at just how they can get it done against the Philadelphia Eagles. Despite tying the Washington Commanders last week, the New York Giants really didn't lose any ground in the postseason race. But if the odds makers are to be believed, that could change this weekend when the Giants host the red-hot Philadelphia Eagles at MetLife Stadium. Hi, everybody. Patricia Trainer reporting. And for the first time since 2016, the New York Giants are in control of their own destiny when it comes to the playoffs. The problem is that not many people saw this Giants roster as a playoff contender. And they contend that the Giants have, in fact, overachieved in their first season under head coach Brian Dable. Adding to the naysayers' argument is that the Giants roster has taken such a hit at key positions, receiver, defensive secondary, linebacker, and offensive line, to name a few, that they just don't have the depth necessary to cross the finish line successfully. But here's the reality of the situation. If the Giants want to make noise in the postseason, it starts with winning their division games, of which the Giants are currently 0-2-1. For all things New York Giants, keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. And finally, the match returns tomorrow with Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy taking on Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. After pulling out of the Hero World Championships due to a right foot injury, Woods is grateful for an easier way of getting around at the match saying, I can hit golf balls. It's just hard getting from point A to point B. So the cart will certainly help a lot. I mean, I get it. I'd rather play golf with a cart than walk around all day too. But 
Sometimes I do it. I get it. Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger Woods could have someone carry him from hole to hole, and we would all be like, yeah, we get it. It's Tiger Woods. That's totally fine. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast and make them your second listen. Coming up Monday, will Joe Burrow get his first career victory over the Cleveland Browns? Yes, that's a thing. So at least until tomorrow, stay Locked On Sports today.